Hey, Bridge Ray, how you guys doing? Good to see you. Awesome. Awesome day. I, uh, I'm always blessed whenever I get a chance to be with you guys. And uh, uh, your pastors, I just got to say, man, your pastors, uh, Lance and Susie, you guys are so blessed. They are so phenomenal. Grabbed a meal with them last night and caught up. And uh, just really, uh, when, when you're around people that are that authentic, that genuinely love the Lord, and they genuinely have a love for people, uh, you recognize that is totally what it must be like to be around Jesus. Is someone that was just, uh, obviously, Jesus loved people, but just such a person of authenticity. And uh, you guys are blessed to have leaders like that. Hey, I got to tell you, two weeks ago, it was exciting for me. I was born in Oakland, California, born and raised. I lived uh, just outside of Oakland now. And so I grew up, don't hold it against me, because I, I can hear the booze already, right? I grew up a Raiders fan, okay? Now, oh, okay, okay. And uh, now if they move to L.A. again, I don't know. I may write them off, jilted lover syndrome, okay? But uh, anyway, I grew up, and I remember one time a guy, uh, an older gentleman whose wife did not appreciate football, uh, he said, if I came down to the local church, and I wasn't raised church, he says, and it was an incentive to get me to church, he says, my wife doesn't like football, but if you'll come on this particular day, I'll, afterwards we'll drive out and I'll take you to the uh, Raider game. And so I'm like, what? Inner city kid? Yeah, I get a chance. I'd never been there, right? So I went and I think it was Kenny Stabler, you know, he dropped back, made a pass. Fred Belindikoff, Hall of Famer, made this phenomenal catch. And, and tragically recently, uh, Kenny Stabler passed away. But two weeks ago, the Oakland Raiders did Faith and Family Day. Now, to my understanding, Right? They have not done it before. Other barrier teams have Giants, A's, Golden State Warriors. So the black hole now has a family and faith day. That's good. That's probably very needed. Okay. Well, they had uh, choirs from the Bay Area. They had Andre, uh, uh, War- Andre Ward, is an uh, uh, Olympic boxer, gold medal, and actually holds a, a, a title. I'm forgetting which one. WPC, WBC, I think, title holder. He shared his testimony. Some retired Raiders shared, and they gave me 20 minutes. Here I'm at O.co. I had 20 minutes to share the gospel, and we had dozens upon dozens of people give their life to the Lord, and I thought, yes, God, that was so awesome. So super excited about that. Hey, we're going to dive in this. If you got a Bible, go to Mark chapter 6, and if not, we'll read it to you. And uh, I think we sold out of one of our books in yesterday's service, but we've got uh, a book out there called uh, prophetic evangelism. And it's simply this is that, uh, God knows the inside secrets and he has the inside track and God wants to give you insiders information when you're witnessing to your friends, neighbors, relatives, associates, and not the insiders information that got Martha Stewart in trouble. Okay. We know like God knows their needs and he's able to personalize and give a signature uh, through you, a signature presentation of what people need in order to come to Christ. So it's allowing the Holy Spirit to direct you in witnessing. And uh, so we've got that out there, and we've got some other stuff. My uh, my son, he's a great kind of guy, designer. Uh, he's got this shirt, Bias Stripes, which is Isaiah 53, and uh, Tetelestai, Greek, it means it is finished. So we've got that out there. All right. Mark chapter 11. Here we go. It says, Then he went out from there, and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began uh, to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? 
and what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. Now we're in Mark 6, verse 4. But Jesus said to him, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Now jump down to verse 53. 53. It says, Now... Uh, when they had crossed over, same chapter, they came to the land of Gennesaret and anchored there. And when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him, ran through the whole surrounding region and began to carry about in beds those who were sick to wherever they heard he, that would be Jesus, was. Whenever he entered the villages, cities or country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged them that they might just touch the hem of his garment and as many as touched him, were made well. You ever have those moments where you have a, like this light bulb goes on over your head and you have this discovery, this epiphany, and I had it, and it's going to seem very basic. We as a nation, we need a move of God. That's my epiphany. We need a move of God. Uh, historically, when nations, civilizations of people have gotten to the place where we've gotten as America, Apart from an intervention of God, they do not pull out of the nosedive. I was thinking about this, obviously, in light of the recent U.S. Supreme Court decision, 5-4, the legalization of same-sex marriage. I was thinking of another instance. When I was a kid, there was a guy on the cover of a Wheaties box with an Olympic gold medal around his neck. He was a decathlete. Uh, uh, his name was Bruce Jenner. Name is still Bruce Jenner, kind of, okay, if you know what I'm talking about. And... He was on this interview with Diane Sora, and he points to the camera, fully Caitlyn Jenner now, and he says, I am the new normal. And it was in that moment that I realized, right, it was epiphany, we need a move of God. Now, I pray for Bruce Jenner. I feel like, man, God loves that guy like, like, like he could not probably even fathom right now. But when I look at that, I want you to know the reason why we need a move of God is a move of God, a revival brings a new normal. Because North American Christianity as we know it, we think it's normal, but it's not normal. It's subnormal. It's abnormal. And we need revival. We need a move of God to get us back to a new normal so we can look like what Jesus intended us to look like, a beautiful bride. I was thinking about ISIS, and I was thinking about a terrorist group and the evolution of terrorist group, rather in the past that was Al-Qaeda, uh, rather that was Saddam's regime, rather that was some of the extreme jihadists of the past. Their express goal has always been to recover Muslim territory to establish Islamic State. You take the mic to the next evolution of terrorist groups. They would say to recover Muslim territory, to establish Islamic State. In other words, they want to get more land and they want to have forced conversions. But now you come to ISIS. CNN did a report on them and they say their express goal is completely different than all of the terrorist predecessors that they've had. They say right now their express goal they said, their leader said, we believe that we're in the end times, that this is the apocalypse, that there is this epic battle between good and evil. We are the good. And so as a result of that, they're, they're, and I know there are young people, they're decapitating, they're, they're lighting people on fire, burning them, and just 
grotesque. And we have got American youth and British youth that are trying to fly over there to join ISIS because they have these, you know, almost like a movie preview kind of uh, uh, advertisements and slow motion blowing up stuff that looks so like, like, I don't know how to say it, but it looks appealing that we have kids and you're hearing more and more stories. And I'm looking at this and I'm saying, we need a move of God. And, and I thought, a ch- I have a personal challenge in this. And I thought, they're saying we, they're giving, ISIS are giving a generation. We have an end time cause. It's spiritual. Be passionate. Be extreme. ISIS people have even killed 125 of their own in camps because they weren't ISIS enough. And then I began to realize there is a call for us to have an urgency, an end time focus, and a passion in our Christianity. Because if we don't have it by default, I don't want a terrorist group to use my lack of passion as a recruiting tool for what it is they're doing. We need a move of God. Come on. You you agree with me on that? Now, I'm going to make a left turn real quick. Years ago, I was invited to be a part of this outreach in Chicago called the Chicago Outreach. Name evangelists, guys who were my heroes. I was in college at the time. And my campus pastor was invited, and he brought me with him uh, because he said, Sean, you've got an evangelist, evangelism gift on you. I think you need to be at this. And so we get there, and we're kind of in this planning, if you will, quote, war room. And what I mean by that is they had the layout of Chicago, and they were assigning certain evangelists, and they had set up sites, and different evangelists would pick the site they would go to, and they would preach or share or testify or sing or whatever their gift was. And so they were kind of asking who wanted to go here. And so they had this section of town. People were going there, over here. And we got a nice spot here, over here. And so I'm, I'm kind of the young college kid, so I'm not like the big name evangelist. I'm sitting back, sitting back. And then they're getting down lower on the list. And he said, who wants to go to Cabrini Green? Now, I don't know if you know Chicago. Cabrini Green has been leveled. Cabrini Green, at one point in time, inch for inch, was the most dangerous piece of violent real estate in North America. Years ago, there was a movie, Keanu Reeves was in it called Hardball with a little uh, African-American kid, G-Baby, and they filmed that supposedly on these three tenements that sit out in Chicago. Police cops wouldn't go into Cabrini Green until after a fact to clean up the bodies because people would be in these high-rises with semi-assault rifles shooting. They had their own law. It was crack-infested, terrible, and so they said, Who wants to go to Cabrini Green? And there were some other big name evangelists. I wanted to prefer my elders. None of those guys wanted to go. I'm like, I grew up inner city Oakland. I'm familiar with that. I'll go. So I lifted up my hand and the guy's looking at me. And and then all of a sudden, another East Coast evangelist, Italian guy, he says, I'll go with the kid. So we're going to Cabrini Green. So we're talking, right? So he's talking to me a little bit. And he says, I have an idea. And, And I said, okay, good. What is it? So here's my idea, he said. I've done this before at Mardi Gras Outreaches. He's telling me, his name is Denny, and he says, I have a hearst. I got a coffin. If it's okay, I want to put you in the coffin. I got some suits. We're going to get dudes that look like pallbearers. We're going to drive up in a hearse. You're going to be in a coffin. We're going to walk you out. I guarantee you we'll get a crowd. And I'm like, have you done this before? And I'm like, how am I going to breathe in that thing, man? And he said, we've drilled holes in it so you could, they won't be able to see the holes, but you'll be able to breathe. So I'm like, okay, right? <laughs> so 
It was sweltering heat that summer in Chicago. I mean, it was like 98 degrees and 2,000 degrees humidity, okay? It was crazy hot, right? So here I am, and I had a black nylon Michael Jordan sweatsuit. That's like a sauna suit. Like, people want to lose weight. That's what it was. It was, wasn't even light. It was just the old, like, this. you sweat putting it on. So it's hot. They put me in this black box, a coffin, right? It's 98 degrees with crazy humidity. I'm in a black hearse. I'm in a black box, the coffin, you know, in a dead man mobile, okay, you know. <laughs> and I'm in a black sweatsuit, and I'm a black man. I am so hot in this box, okay? I am hot. They start driving, and, and it's just a weird kind of little claustrophobic thing. And, man, so then they stop outside of Cabrini Green because you can't drive in Cabrini Green. You can drive up to the gate. So the guys had to walk. Well, you had six dudes. They're walking about this fast. And I'm like, it is hot. I'm knocking in the box like, hurry up. I'm trying to get air. He said we drilled holes. They were little tiny BB gun pellet holes. I'm on the corner of the box going. I am not getting enough air. I feel like I'm about to pass out. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to die in this box. But I guess I'm already in a box and I'm already in a funeral procession. They start walking us out. And man, I had this idea. You, you, you're going to go open air. And I do. I speak on college campuses. You, you have to be prepared. That opening, you got about 30 seconds. And if you don't have something that's tight, you're going to lose your crowd. So I'm thinking, okay, what will I say? What will I say? Oh, okay, I got it. I'll come out and I'll go, he's alive. He's alive. He's alive. Because I'm coming out of coffin, right? He's alive. And I'm going to talk about resurrection hope, the power of Jesus to resurrect hopes and dreams when they died. Well, the only problem was, I was a little oxygen deprived and it made me a little dizzy. So when they finally opened up the box, at this point I'd held my breath. I'm like, like, you know, I'm fatigued. I'm dehydrated. You know, I come out and I go, he's alive. He's alive. And all of a sudden I'm talking about guys who are gang bangers, guys that's packing. They take off running. They're freaked out. Oh my word. No joke. Totally serious. They take over people who were with us because we brought some people with us. They said, no, 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 no. Come back. He was alive when he was put in the box. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> they came back. I preached. We had dozens upon dozens of people give their life to the Lord. I tell you that because the reason why I volunteered was because of familiarity. But familiarity can also work on the other side. You've heard the phrase, familiarity breeds contempt. I'm a Bay Area native, so I'm basketball-wise. I'm a Golden State Warriors fan, super excited they won the NBA championship. I remember years ago that the All-Star game for the NBA was held in Philadelphia. It was the hometown of Kobe Bryant. He had went to Lower Marion High School, went right from high school to play in the NBA, didn't play college. And I remember when they were announcing the different players, all-star games, they're cheering. Even if you're the rival dude, they're cheering you because it's an all-star game. You're getting people from all over. They announced Kobe Bryant. And when they announced Kobe Bryant, the hometown crowd booed him. And, and, and he's an a unflappable athlete. I mean, you never know what's going on. He, has, he gives this thing like he's always in control. Nothing gets to him. And when the cameras zoomed in on, right when they announced the players and you come out, you can see the hurt in Kobe Bryant's eyes that this is my hometown. I played high school basketball here. 
We, we won championships. And I come to my home crowd and they boo me. And it gives me this phrase or reminds me of this old school term. Familiarity breeds contempt. And when you say that, what you mean is sometimes the people who are most familiar with you, that have been around you the longest, are the people that see your faults. Isn't that true? No one look at their spouse right now. Okay, that's not the purpose of that statement. People that have been around you, they see your warts, they see your imperfections, they see your flaws. And if they're family, they're not reticent to share that with you either. The, the phrase, familiarity breeds contempt, is sometimes the longer you've been around something, the more you've heard about it, the less you appreciate it. I remember by the time I was 28 years of age, because we, we grew up Poe, not poor Poe, right? Just, when poor people call you poor, you lose your O and R by virtue of that disrespect. Just Poe. By the time I was 28, 28 was only the second time I'd ever been to Disneyland. And I grew up in California, right? I'm going to recently be in Disneyland and there's a little kid crying that the kid could not get the candy. And it was not like a three-year-old. It was like older. Kids crying. And, and I had this phrase in my head, too many trips to Disneyland. I'm like, I would not be crying over not getting candy. I'm at dinner. Where's Mickey? Where's, you know, I'm, I, it's just amazing. But he wasn't appreciative because the kid had been, he had all the pins. You know, you get all them pins. When you, he, had, he had been to too many trips to Disneyland. And I think that that phrase would best describe Mark 6. And there's a parallel passage in Mark 4 that both of these gospels are written from two accounts. And here's the situation. Jesus, and I'll back up and tell you all of it, but Jesus goes and has a Bible study, if you will. He's in the synagogue teaching. So imagine going to your hometown. You're having a Bible study. People kind of like what you're saying for a minute. Then all of a sudden you say something and the people in the Bible study, all the people in the Bible study rise up to push you off a cliff. How many of you know that's worse than Kobe Bryant getting booed in Philadelphia, right? This is what happened. Now, let me give you the backdrop. Luke 4 and Mark 6 lets us know these things lead up to Jesus going back to his hometown. Because that's what this whole thought and story and talk is about. First of all, we recognize from the Luke 4 account leading up to this, Jesus goes mano a mano, eyeball to eyeball, fisticuffs, if you will, not literally, but fight with the devil in the wilderness and defeats the devil. Come on, somebody. I, that, that, that's pay-per-view greater than Pac-Man, Pac you know, Pacquiao and Mayweather right there, right? And you'd actually see some fighting. You know, <laughs> there you go. Second of all, Jesus comes off a, a role where he sees a woman with a lifetime bleeding disorder healed just by touching him. He casts legion of devils out of demon-possessed man. And a young girl that has died, he raised from the dead. And on the end of that, he's coming to Nazareth. Can, can we just say Jesus is coming on a roll, right? He could just wear a t-shirt that day called Call Me Butter because I'm on a roll, right? <laughs> he is coming on. He, I believe his intent is to bring incredible blessing to his hometown. But in the process of coming to his hometown, something clicks and something shifts in and there's an issue and a problem. Some of us kind of know this in a different way. Some of us feel particularly hurt by family and relatives that we have that reject us because of our beliefs. 
And because of the way that we say that, hey man, we love Jesus and we're going after God. And sometimes in other instances, maybe where we work or otherwise, you're treated harshly and you're thinking, this is my home. This is my work group. And you don't expect that kind of treatment, but this takes it to a whole nother level. Here is his backdrop. And he goes into the synagogue and then I told you, he starts off saying something they like. Then he says something they don't like and they try to push him off the cliff. Well, I did a little research and find out what it is. If you go to Luke 4... He steps into the temple. Here's his Bible study. He says the passage out of Isaiah that he simply says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he's anointed me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, to open prison doors, to uh, set the oppressor, to open blind eyes, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. All of that was good until he said this. And today, Scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. At this point, they are offended in Mark 6, in Luke 4, they try to push him off the cliff and he had to get a supernatural cloaking device and a Jedi mind trick from heaven to walk through the crowd so they wouldn't even see him. And what I submit to you is the offense came because if Jesus would have said, in time, this prophecy will be fulfilled, no one would have been offended. Part of the offense was when God, Jesus used the word today. You know what I realized? A lot of people can get offended because here's what this whole thing is about. Jesus came to Nazareth to do a mighty work. Sean, how do you know it? Because the passage we read says he could do no mighty work there, which the implication is he came to do a mighty work. The question is, we need a move of God. Is this a region? Are you a church? Are you an individual that God can do a mighty work in? Because I'm of you know, America needs a mighty work. The greater Sacramento area, Rockland, needs a mighty work. Your, your co-workers, your family members, the people you go to school with, they need to see a believer in whom embodies a mighty work. Isn't that right? So what is the key? Thanks so much. You guys are so kind. So what is the key to this mighty work? All right? We're going to hit this. And they stumbled over this today. Today. Many people get offended because the issue of whether or not God can do a mighty work is if you allow him to get out of the box that you may have put him in. They were offended. Why? Because we have prior conception of, of little Jesus. We know your mama. We know your daddy. We know your brothers. And Jesus has sisters. They said, we know your sisters. We know them. You've gone away, Jesus. You've come back. But now... We're seeing you different than the way we've seen you before, and we're offended at that. The word there, offense, literally means to trip over. They didn't trip on the wisdom. They didn't trip on, you know, some of the words he said prior. They didn't, they didn't trip on the power. They tripped on the concept. And I wonder if sometimes the reason why God can't do a, a mighty work in our life or in our midst is because we're tripping over concepts. And here's their problem. They were offended because Jesus, we knew you like this, but now you're coming like this. You know what I've studied and I've written a book on revival. That's the one we sold out on, I think. It might have been a couple left. Is that in new moves of God, one of the greatest enemies are people that have locked Jesus in a box and say you can only move this way, the way we previously known you to move. And if you try to get beyond that box and do something different, we trip over that. That's only what the word means. Offended, scandaliso, where we get the word scandal or scandalous. It literally means to trip over. And they're stumbling over when Jesus said today, as if to say, I'm coming now to release this stuff. It's not going to be in the future. It's now. And I started realizing 
Why do people struggle? Because this is, in fact, hometown familiarity. It's the dust of this. Two things cause them to miss out immediately. Number one, I told you. The problem is they were locked into their prior experiences as the ultimate standard of what God's going to do. Let me tell you something. Any God you can explain, you need to get rid of that God because that God is not the God of the universe. It's a figment of your imagination. Because the Bible says his ways are past finding out. Do we really believe the Bible? If his ways are past finding out, can God do something that you cannot explain? I'm telling you what, I don't want a Christianity I can explain. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. I want to be able to, I'm an evangelist. I want to be able to defend my faith. But there's certain things I, I just have to stop and say, he's God, okay? He's a carbon dating. He's God. How did this evolution? He's God, right? Creation. He can do it. He's God. He can create the world in six days. Come on, somebody. He can take cancer out of your body. He can raise the dead. He can still do it. So again, we're not going to put it off in the future. We're not going to say you did it back in the past in the book of Acts. The struggle is today. That was the word today. Can God do it today? Amen. Come on. Can he move in your life today? Can he use you to see things that, let me give you an example that's unexplainable. Three days after I gave my life to Christ, and I'm just going to, I'm just going to tell you like it is. I'm not, you know, you can kind of like, uh, I'm just going to tell you like it is. Three days after I'm saved, I go to sleep and all of a sudden I feel something pin me on my bed. I feel something begin to choke me. I cannot breathe. I cannot move. I cannot talk. Now, some of us have slept funny on our arm and woke up in the middle of the night and you cut off circulation. You got to take this hand to slowly move that hand because you move it too quick. It hurts, right? And you're kind of, uh, boom. And you get your hand and you try to, but you don't sleep on your whole body funny. And I'm going, what is going on? Then it dawns on me. I'm feeling an evil presence in the room. Something's pinning me down. You'd be amazed how many people, we're not going to do this, would lay, raise their hand if I asked them. How many of you had a similar experience? So this is not as out there and as weird old school X-Files as you think. And man, it's, it's pinning me down. And I'm going, oh my God, what's going on? I can't breathe. I can't talk. I'm, and I immediately I thought of my grandmother. She gave her life to Jesus Christ. Later on, she was delivered out of alcoholism. She said, grandbaby, one day you're going to find out there's something uh, in this life you can't overcome on your own. Just promise me, grandbaby, you will call on the name of Jesus. So I said, I need to call on it. I'm 72 hours old in the Lord, and I'm trying to say Jesus, and my lips won't move. And then I thought, okay, I better think about Jesus then. And I began to think about Jesus. Let me tell you, spiritual warfare, the victory of spiritual warfare begins with your focus on the Son of Man, Christ Jesus. You begin to focus on the finished work of the cross, on the blood of the Lamb, on the Word of God. They overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb, the Word of their testimony, love not their lives unto death. And the moment, I, the longer I thought about Jesus, the more my lips got loose. So I went, shh, shh. What is that? That's a choked man trying to say Jesus. Okay, that's what that is. Okay, you know. And so all of a sudden, I say Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then my lips get more loose and I go, Jesus! And the moment I did it, man, whatever it was that was pitting me down, that felt totally fearful in the room, was gone. It was out of the door. Later that week, I'm in a, in a place, and, and I'm talking about those things that you experience that you can't explain, that God is beyond our explanation, but I insist the mighty work of God is so necessitated that even if you can't explain it, as long as it's biblical, we need to embrace and allow God to be God and not demand that God be what we always have known Him previously to be. 
He's God, right? So a week later, I'm in a, in a place over a friend's house. He has a, a friend of his over, so we're, we're over our mutual friend's house. This dude is a party animal. He is fully out of control. This dude is more lost in a goose and a thunderstorm, okay? He is snorting pork and beans. Come on, man. This van camp pork and beans. I mean, he's gone. And every time I give my life to the Lord, every time I'm trying to witness to this dude, he's blowing me off. And I don't know why I just feel led. And I say, hey, man, Gerald was his name. Gerald, man, funny thing happened, man. The other night, man, I was just sleeping, right? And our mutual friend left the room. And I just talked about, man, being pushed on the bed, choked. I told him this whole story. And at first, when I'm starting, he's kind of looking away from me. Oh, he's about to do this God thing. He's looking away. And all of a sudden, his eyes get huge. And he looks at me as I share this story. And then a dude starts getting choked up. And he says, dude, that's been happening to me. I'm so scared what I do. I said, I told you what you need to do. You need to call on the name of Jesus, man. You call on the name of Jesus, bro. Jesus comes. The light comes on. The darkness goes, man. You got victory. And he says, okay. And I said, well, you need to give your life to him first. And he says, okay. He gives his life to Jesus Christ on the spot. So what I submit to you is this. That the things you can't explain today, if you allow God to move in new ways, could be tools in your belt to help someone else find Christ tomorrow. We got to be open to the unexplainables of God. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, what was their problem? Why didn't they, why did the hometown crowd reject Jesus? They didn't just boo him. They tried to push him off a cliff because they couldn't explain him. They couldn't explain him. They were more comfortable with the Jesus they could explain. And I submit to you, more often than not, the majority of things about God we cannot explain. And you have to, here's the phrase, you have to learn to live with mystery or God will never do a mighty work in your midst. Second of all, that I think is important, is they had to go beyond previous conceptions. Now, it says he could not do any mighty work. And I want to hit a couple things. It says that Jesus was amazed at their unbelief. Every other place in the Gospels, Jesus is amazed at people's faith. He's amazed that they could believe in the surrounding. And here's the one time that it's used in a detrimental way. He was amazed that you've allowed the dust of familiar. You've been around. And, and this is what I think of when I think of familiarity breeds contempt. Is that we can come to church, we can read the word, we can be so used to the Christian lifestyle that all of a sudden we don't come with expectancy. That we take it for granted. That the dust as well as our faith can begin to collect dust, that we allow times to pass and we're not having meaningful connections with Christ. That all of a sudden we find ourselves, you know, in the midst of other things that are pulling ourselves away, that the social media is getting more of our attention than the God who created us. And it can be a modern day hometown familiarity. And I thought about what was the opposition? Because Jesus came, and if you could picture, he's walking in his hometown off this roll role of incredible miraculous kingdom stuff he's coming to bless his hometown city because he wants them blessed and as this anointing and presence and and blessing of god he's coming into nazareth with both barrels blazing with blessing and all of a sudden he hits a wall and something freezes the stream of this blessing and what was it Notice this, the opposition didn't come from the devil. The opposition didn't come, if you will, from the world outside, the unsaved world. Didn't come from the government. Come on, somebody. This opposition was inside opposition. 
that the mighty work, come on, sometimes we're wondering, God, why have you done a mighty work? And we'll point at a sport, special interest group, we'll point at that activity, point at this sin going on, or this oppression. And maybe the greatest detriment to the mighty work of God could be an inside opposition, not an outside opposition. Preach that thing, Sean. That's a good word right there. Okay, I think I will. Just kidding. The Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. So I'm just trying to... I believe that what happens is, in football, a quarterback comes up to the line. When he comes up to the line, he can see, and he's getting ready to call a play that the head coach, offensive coordinator, wherever it is, sent in. He sees the defense realign. He does what's called an audible. And an audible is, I see now, based on the defense, that we would have an opportunity over here, so I'm changing the play in game. I feel like some of us have become so familiar with God that the Holy Spirit can't call any audibles in our life. And all of a sudden, you get up one day and it's our routine. It's just what I'm used to. This is how I do it. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit's trying to call some audibles, and we're simply not hearing it. And familiarity can block a mighty work because one audible can lead to somebody who is as lost as a goose in a thunderstorm, giving her life to Christ, and came over the house after a party and was high on something in the moment. But God sobered him up, and he gives his life to Jesus Christ. Amen. final two thoughts here. It says that Jesus couldn't do any mighty work except laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. I first of all think we would think that's an incredible service, right? Few sick people got healed this morning. To Jesus, he walked away amazed at unbelief because he came to do so much more. And what happens is, is that we can get used to spiritual meager rations because we don't know God wants to do so much more in our life. And unless you have the hunger for more, hey, let, let me stop and, and digress and say this. A few sick people were healed. And I thought about that. Huh? That's interesting. That's included in scripture. A few sick people were healed. And I started to think about it. The sick people of Nazareth were the only ones desperate enough to lay down their pride of the preconceptions of how God wants to move enough to let God meet their need and God met their need. And I began to realize, what if all of Nazareth would have been like them sick people? Now, I'm not saying physically sick, but aren't we all in a sense not well apart from the great physician? We ride a sick fallen planet in a sick culture with a sick society with sick standards how can, after all that, you can be a well people without a great physician? I think that, man, the key to having a mighty work of God is for us to see that we're sick. Now, I'm not saying physically sick. Follow me now. But that we don't operate and function. We don't have what we need to have. We're not going to have it all together just because we got a 401k going and we got this going and we got that going. We got more degrees on our wall than Fahrenheit. Okay, man. But all of that is all, your old trophies. Come on, us men, we'll pull out our old trophies from high school back in the day, right? The trophies broke and so are you now, okay? Don't you can leave that alone. No, no, okay. But I'm saying that should not define us, man. What should define us is that, man, we're people that need God. So now here's the contrast. And if I can get a worship team or, to come forward or Casey to come forward. There's a study of two contrasts. Because in the beginning of the chapter, Jesus is in Nazareth. But in verse 53, he goes to Gennesaret. Follow me. And here's the contrast. Verse 5, verse 53. Verse 5, he could do no mighty work there. 
and was amazed at their unbelief, and they were offended at him. And then verse 53, I'm, I'm just paraphrasing for the sake of time. It says the people of Gennesaret, they recognized him. They ran to him, and they went and carried the sick from all over the city. And it says as many as touched him was made whole. Everybody look this way. Two cities, two completely different, diametrically opposed, contrasting results. He goes to Nazareth, his hometown, only a couple of people get healed. He goes down the way, and he's in a church at a Bible study there. He goes to Gennesaret, he's outside, and people recognize him, run to him, bring sick from all over, and everybody that touched him got healed. It's in the same chapter. I almost think the genius of the Holy Spirit put this in the same chapter. And here's what I found out. If God can't move through you, he'll move around you. That's right. If we don't let God move in us, He's got to go to the church down the street. If we're not let him move in a city, he'll go to another city. If we don't let him move in a state, he'll go. He'll go move someplace else. If we don't let him move in our life, he'll move around us. But God first comes through. He first came to Nazareth. You could have this. And there's got to be a sickening feeling in the pit of your stomach of what could have been. But he goes to Gennesaret, and here's the good story. How do you see a mighty move? There it is right there. Because you say, why didn't they get a mighty move? The stock answer is unbelief but it's deeper than unbelief here's what it really came down to the people of nazareth they knew jesus so well they didn't know him at all that is the key you can become so familiar that in your familiarity it becomes a scotoma it becomes kind of a paradigm a blinding thing that you don't really fully see because you're so familiar there's all these different mental tests of something that they make you familiar with and all of a sudden you miss out on something obvious and this is their problem and the other thing is they didn't see their need and they couldn't hear the cry of the city around them Gennesaret recognized Jesus if you want to have a move of God you got to recognize there used to be an old phrase in the hood you got to recognize you got to recognize in worship, this isn't warm up before the word. This is an opportunity to engage. We got to recognize Jesus inhabits the praise of his people. You got to recognize, even as we're closing right now and we're about to pray, that the spirit of the Lord comes in a service to begin to meet needs. And so often it's subtle. We can begin to check out and think about what we're going to do after church and where we're going to eat lunch and what we're going to do here. We got to get kids to soccer and we got to do. And I get that. I'm, I'm a dad. I get that. But we got to recognize this is a moment. That we are in the presence of God and God wants to do the unexplainable in our midst. They ran. That, that's, that's not kind of fingering your nose, light little stroll kind of walking up. This is an urgency that I've got to get to Jesus. I've got to bring my problem. I've got to bring this need. I've got to bring my family. I've got to bring my heart that's been hurt. I've got to get this to Jesus. They ran. And then the other thing, they carried the sick. They heard the cry of the community around. If you want a mighty work, you've got to understand that man... There's got to be this urgency that I want to bring people to Jesus and bring Jesus to people. That if you want a mighty work, it's got to be this thing that, man, there's someone out there that doesn't know the Lord. There's less fortunate than you. We need to invite them. Bring them to church. We need to invite them in our home. We need to love on them. We need to be the gospel to them. And as a result of that, as many as touch Jesus and the release and the contrast of Mark 6 is phenomenal. Let me tell you what, America is beyond words, and I'm closing. America is beyond words. What we need is a mighty work. And what we need are a people that have lost the hometown familiarity, and everything becomes fresh again. We let God out of the box. I'm not going to dictate to you, God, you got to move this way. You can't do this. I want to be open that as God, you're, 
expanding. And there's a new move. Every move of God. And, and here's what it is. It's foreign to us, but it's not that God never did it before. He did it in the book of Acts. It's in the Bible. It's just that we haven't allowed him to do it so long that when he comes to do it in our midst, it seems foreign to us. But revivals is about restoration. And God's doing it. Bow your heads. Jesus, I thank you, God, for, Lord, this phenomenal group here. Lord, this is an incredible house. Their love for the word and sitting and listening to uh, 79 uh, Jesus series messages. I think I checked on the website. Something like that is amazing. This is a word church. People that are hungry. Discipleship. Lord, but I also believe that there's a wind of God, a glorious wind of God coming that's going to bring in a mighty harvest. People are going to come to God and part of this wind is the harvest, but part of this wind is the activity of the spirit that may be beyond our paradigm. But Lord, as you come to us, we don't want to be a Nazareth. We want to be a Gennesaret that we recognize it's you. We run to you and we bring people with us. If we do it, we'll be the womb of a mighty work of God. And I believe this church is, has been, and will be. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here right now, let me say it like this. There's never been a good time to be without Jesus. And if you'll allow me to say it, there's never been a worse time to be without Jesus than right now. Right now, late August 2015. You see, what happens now is that there's a stalking loneliness. There's an emptiness. There's a chaos. There's this thing that causes a life to feel so insignificant. And modern life has invented ways to dehumanize God's creation. The answer is what it's always been. Your heart was never meant to be a hotel where multiple guests move in and out and you left with the kind of the way people leave hotel rooms when they walk out. Your heart was meant to be a home, a throne seat for the one who loves you like no one loves you. God isn't mad at you. He's mad about you. And that's what would make your separation from God such a tragedy. He died because what Jesus was saying, I'd rather go to hell for you than to go to heaven without you. He loves you that much. Whatever it is that's held you back, held you out, held you out, back, out, whatever, down, will let you go the moment you call in the name of Jesus. Gerald found that out. I found that out. You can too. If you're here right now, you say, Sean, would you pray with me? I want to give my life to Christ. You have to surrender. There's no uh, blue light special like at Kmart back in the day. Uh, Jesus paid it all. And by paying it all, he wants all of you, all of your heart, but he'll bless you. What you get in there, it's an exchange. You exchange your life for his life, you're getting a better end of this bargain for sure. If you're here right now, you say, Sean, I want to surrender. I need to give my life to Christ. I need to come back to Jesus. I'm tired of this heartache. I'm tired of being made to hurt. I need Christ. Or one time I used to serve the Lord, but I've fallen away. I need to come back. If that's you, I want to pray for you. This is your unexplainable. The unexplainables of God are blessings. They're miracles. They're mighty works. If you're here now, you say, I need to give my life to the Lord. Wherever you're at right now, shoot your hand up right now. Shoot it up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Many. Say, I need to come back to Christ. Yes. God bless you. Yes. Man, many. Oh my. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all pray together. Let's say this together. Say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess everyone together. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess you as Lord of my life. I believe in my heart. God raised you from the dead. I thank you, Jesus, that you died for me. And I ask for forgiveness. I thank you, Jesus. You love me so much. And there's nothing I've done that would keep you from loving me right now. So I give you my heart. I surrender to you. And I declare today 
I'm loved. I'm forgiven. I'm a child of God. And I will serve you all my days in Jesus' name. If you would stand up with me. I just want to pray over you. There's prayer team members up here. If you need any kind of prayer in your life, something going on in your family, your finances, your faith, your health, whatever it is, I would I, people right here to meet you. I want to pray over you as it relates to this. God would just make something so fresh because on one end is the overfamiliarity, on one end of the spectrum, and the other end is a fresh faith, a fresh fire, fresh encounter, and God wants to bring that. Father, I pray over your people this morning, and I pray, God, that you would cause us to see we don't want to have the, the Nazareth syndrome. Lord, they're not on Maury Povridge, but they could be because it's a spiritual dysfunction. What we want is the Gennesaret response. And God, we want this fresh. And we're saying, God, you're out of the box. And if we'll let you out of the box, it'll get us out of some boxes. Lord, we're sorry if any way we've limited you. And the one thing that really stood out against the nation of Israel in the wilderness, it says they limited the Holy One of Israel. We don't want to limit what you could do in our midst, what you could do through us, and how you can impact the world around us. So we take off our limitations. And we say, God, bring us back to the pure and simple devotion where we just love, 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 love you. In Jesus' name. These people are going to pray for you. One last thing. I know Joanne and Pastor, he has had these sessions. I listened to one online. Ask Pastor Lance. Love it. They were talking about how the voice of God comes and how he speaks. And, and it comes like, it sounds like initially like your thought. It's an impression but it registers. It actually is spirit to spirit. God speaks from his spirit to your spirit, but it rises up and it feels like a thought. Mark 5, the woman with the issue of blood says, for she thought, if I could just touch the hem of Jesus' garment, I'll be made whole. I just had a God, a God thought, and I've been in this situation before, but God is gloriously touching a female right over in this area that's had multiple allergies. And you have got, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure if it's that uh, the celiac's condition but it's extreme allergy we're not talking about you sneeze a little bit because of pollen but there's food allergies and other things where your body and your immune system has gotten out of line and i feel like if you'll come forward you're right here in this section specifically and you're female if you come forward we'll be able to pray with you and god is going to do some great things so god bless you these people are here to pray for you we love you thank god for you keep it fresh keep it fresh and before you go turn to someone give them a high five and worship team